Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your Spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You know, as we get closer to the end of the year, we were always already halfway through October, I always start to get excited about the traditions of the holidays. Even the traditions of the pumpkin patch and things like that, I'm so thankful that we've had the opportunity to continue. But other traditions like our carol sing and, and, and those sorts of things, I really hope we can find ways to, to continue those traditions even through this year of difficulty. My own family has traditions, and your family probably has traditions too. Some of them probably go back so far that you don't even know where they began. And sometimes we do things just because we've always done them that way. For example, a friend of mine told me a story about a friend of hers who was cooking a, a family recipe pot roast that they always cooked for every single Christmas. She was actually teaching her son how to cook this pot roast, and she brought him into the kitchen and showed him the whole procedure. She said, first we take the pot roast and we, we cut the ends off of, of each end of the pot roast, and then we, we rub it with herbs and spices and we leave it to, to sit for, for several hours. And then after it sits there, we, we put cooked carrots and cooked peas and potatoes and all around it in the pan and then we put that pan in the oven and we we just let it slow roast for hours and hours and it it tastes so good coming out right before our Christmas dinner. The little boy was looking forward to it. He had had the pot roast before but he asked his mom one question. Mom why do we cut off the ends of the pot roast before we put it in the pan? Mom said, well, you know, son, we've always done it that way. I don't know why we do it. Let's ask your grandmother when she comes over today. So a few hours later, grandmother came over. She brought a casserole for the Christmas dinner that night. And they asked her, grandmother, why do we cut off the ends of the pot roast with our secret family recipe? And she said, you know, I don't know. We've just always done it that way. Maybe we can call and ask your great-grandmother and see if she knows. Great-grandmother wasn't able to be at the party, but they picked up the phone and they called her and asked her, Great-grandmother, why have we always cut off the ends of that pot roast before we put it in the oven? Great-grandmother thought for a minute and she said, Well, when I was younger, I had a small pan. And the only way I could fit the pot roast and the potatoes and the carrots in the pan was to cut off the ends of the pot roast. Actually, if you just buy a bigger pan, you don't have to cut off the ends. And they thought for a minute, hmm, 
we've been doing this tradition for so long because we've always done it that way. I bet you've said that in your own life too. There are things in your own life, in your workplace, in your home, traditions that you have, and, and yes, here even at the church where there are things we do because we've just always done it that way. And maybe we've done it that way for so long that we, we don't even know why we still do things that way. I wonder if those words were ringing in the ears of the disciples of John in our passage this morning. They were doing fasting and praying like they had been taught how to do. The Pharisees were doing that as well. And then along comes Jesus and he's doing something new. He and his disciples are celebrating joyfully. And they were wondering, why aren't they doing things the way we've always done them? Our passage actually picks up right after the call of Matthew, which we talked about just a few weeks ago. Jesus has been celebrating with those tax collectors, and and the disciples of John come and ask Jesus why they don't practice their faith the same way the Pharisees do, the same way the, the disciples of John have done, the same way they've been taught how to do for years. And Jesus tells them that something new has happened. This new covenant that they have been waiting for has come. This new covenant through Jesus Christ Himself. He was the Son of God, the one they were waiting for. And it was time to do something new to celebrate this kingdom that is at hand. He had called the disciples of John just like he had called his own disciples, to start living in a new way because that's what was required of followers of Christ. We're required to change, to live differently, to live our lives in a new way in response to the grace of God, of who God is and who God calls us to be. We're asked to live differently, to help the world grow closer to what God wants it to be, closer to the kingdom of God. But at times, that calling to change is very difficult for us. We've noticed that very frequently recently with all the changes that we've had to go through, all the different things we've had to do. It's difficult to change. We don't like to change. We would much rather just continue to live our lives the way we want to. But that's not what Jesus Christ calls us to do. When we receive this new covenant, this covenant of God, this covenant of grace that God offers to us, It requires a new response, a change in the way we live and the way we move and the way we have our being. The Pharisees very clearly knew the law, but I can only imagine they were upset when Jesus told them about those two little parables of the old cloth and the new cloth, the old wine and the new wineskins, how we are called to be different when God does a new thing. It's so difficult for all of us to change, and yet we know that from time to time, if we're going to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to find new ways to do it in this ever-changing world. Don't get me wrong, we're a little different from the Pharisees now. The Pharisees were receiving this new covenant, this good news for the first time. We've been hearing that good news all our lives. But even now, even though we're still called to preach the same gospel, to preach that same grace, even now we are called to preach it in new ways for an ever-changing world with people who are having new experiences and new understandings of who they are and who they're called to be. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, I had the honor of meeting a wonderful man named Bill Vassey. 
Bill was a very intelligent man. He had studied linguistics in college and, and knew all sorts of different languages that, that he could converse and speak very easily. I had the, the joy of going with him down to Guatemala where he had lived for many years learning some of the native dialects, the dialect of, of Quiche, in fact. And he learned this simply by listening because it was a language that had never been written down. But after listening to this language for, for many, many years, he was able to, to transcribe it. To, to, through alliteration, and he was the first person to write the Bible down, to translate the Bible into this dialect of Quiche. I went with him to a little town called Chichicastanago, a place where we had a partnership with my previous church, and we went to a school there to, to bring some school supplies to them. And I went with Bill, and, and we gathered all of the children in the courtyard of the school to share with them these gifts, these computers and school supplies. And, and Bill addressed everyone in English and said to everyone that these gifts were given to them by a church that loved all of these children and loved this school. And more importantly, that church wanted this school to know that God loved them. Wonderful thing to say, expressing the sentiments of our church. But after he said that, he looked at each of the children, and in perfect quiche, he started speaking to them. You could see their eyes light up. I mean, Bill sort of looked like Santa Claus. He was a big white guy with a big white beard, and yet these children had never seen someone like him speak in their own native language. He, as he talked, their eyes lit up, their, their smiles grew. They even started to laugh and cheer as he spoke. And I was amazed at how he just captivated that room of children just by speaking to them. After we were finished and we were leaving, I, I leaned over to Bill and I said, you truly just captured that room. Those kids really loved you. What was it that you were saying to them while you spoke to them in their own language? And he actually said, you know, Brad... I said to them the same thing I said to you, that God loved them, that your church loved them. The difference was, I said it to them in their own language, and they could hear it for the first time. We are called not to preach a different gospel, but sometimes we're called to learn new languages and new ways to preach that gospel so that other people can hear us. In an ever-changing world, in a world where we have to adapt, a world where we have to, to change so that we can preach that gospel so that others may hear us, we have to learn new ways so that we can preach that gospel throughout the ages. Not just now, but for years to come. Over this difficult time, throughout this difficult year, you and I know that we've had to adapt in a lot of different ways, but we've learned something over the past few months about what it means to be a disciple and who we are called to be as we continue to preach the gospel to our community and to our neighbors. One of the things that we have learned critically through this time is how much we need each other. God calls us to be in community. God calls us to be in relationship. And God calls us to preach the gospel through our relationships. But it's been difficult to stay together during this time. We haven't been able to worship in our sanctuary. Sometimes it's because of health that's prevented us from being together. And then there are other things throughout this year where we've chosen not to be together for different reasons. But God calls us all the same to continue to strengthen our relationships so that we can learn about the grace of God from each other. One of the obvious new ways that we have done that throughout this past year is, is through technology. 
You know, before this pandemic, we never tried to do videos in worship, and yet now we're doing them all the time, and we're going to continue to do them into the future. We were never able to do online classes or online meetings, but now we know that's something that we have to be able to do to connect to those people who are not able to be here with us on our church campus. And so our session has called us in the next year to look at ways that we can use our resources to continue to expand our use of technology, to look at ways we can continue to, to get equipment that's up to date so that we can continue to be relevant and help those people out there reach out to us as we, we reach out to them through the computer. One of the other things that we have learned during this time of the pandemic is that we have a wonderful outdoor campus here that can provide a safe space for people to meet. When it hasn't been safe for us to meet indoors, to meet in our sanctuary, we've still had groups who have been able to meet outside in the fresh air to social distance but stay together in the safety of our little campus here at the corner of John Knox and Meridian. By doing that, groups like Man on Meridian have continued to be able to serve people. And our, our Narcotics Anonymous and, and Alcoholics Anonymous groups have continued to, to meet outside. Even our Boy Scouts have started meeting again over around the fire pit right next to the church. We know this is a wonderful campus and has tremendous possibilities for, for more people to come and meet, to meet outside, to worship outside, and to gather outside in fellowship. And in this next year, our session wants to use resources to find ways that we can continue to develop this campus so that we can keep it safe, but also make it more hospitable so that our church, as well as other groups, can come and use this campus and find it as a place where they can build relationships and stay connected to each other. But the last thing that we've learned during this time, and the, the part that is the most important to me, is we have learned that there are people in need all around us now more than ever before. This pandemic has hit, and hit a lot of people very hard. People have lost their businesses. People have lost their jobs. People have not been able to pay their rent. Many people have become food insecure. And we need to try to reach out to those people and build stronger relationships with those people in need. If we're going to continue to be a good neighbor like we have been called to do, to preach that gospel of loving our neighbor as ourselves, then we have to strengthen those relationships with those people who are hurting, with those people who have wants and needs that they cannot address on their own. We certainly have those relationships now with places like the Kearney Center, places like Hope Community, Elder Care, but we need to do more. We need to continue to help those places, to equip those places so that they can help those people around us. We've got our relationship with Seeley Elementary, but I want us to expand out into the neighborhood around Seeley so that that neighborhood knows that they can lean on us when they need help. There's no way we can fix it all, but we want to be a part of the solution. We want to be a helpful neighbor that makes Tallahassee a better place. And we need to reach out to those other churches and those other parts of our community who have the same call and the same mission so that we can strengthen this community together and build the kingdom of God together. That won't be easy. It will require a leap of faith. It will require us to, to think of the gospel in new ways. But in doing so, if we form those relationships, we will not only find that we are able to preach God's grace 
in new ways, but we will be able to hear God's grace in new ways. We're called, just like those new wineskins, to continue to preach the gospel in new ways all the time, every single day. And that's what I hope we will do in this next year. I hope we will find ways to preach the gospel through creativity, through our technology, to preach the gospel through the hospitality of our wonderful campus, and to preach the gospel through our humility and our generosity for those neighbors in need. Some of those things might sound a little new, but you know what? It really isn't new. It's the same gospel that we have been called to preach for generations. That same fruit that we are called to nourish all around us, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, generosity, self-control. We're just called to preach it in a little different way. We are called to be the same people this day as we have been before. We're just called to use a little different language to help more people learn about the grace of Jesus Christ. To love the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, and their strength. And to love their neighbor as they love themselves. That's who I hope we can be. That's who I hope we will choose to be. And I truly believe that's who God is calling us to be for the year to come. To the glory of God. Amen.